Welcome to the Work Optional Podcast, the very first episode of the Work Optional Podcast. I am your host, Rachel, and with me, I have my co-host, Matt. The Work Optional Podcast is where we discuss personal finance strategies you can use to create a life where you have ownership of your time. Today, we just want to introduce you to the Work Optional Podcast. We're going to discuss the motivation for starting the podcast, what you can expect as a listener, and a few of the very first topics that the show is going to cover. So let's get right into it. And Matt, let's talk about what it actually means to be work optional. In your opinion, when you hear work optional, what comes to mind and how do you define that? Yeah, well, first off, just excited for the the first episode and kicking it off here. Uh, so looking forward to really like getting into you know, the the reason we started the podcast, uh, kind of the motivation behind it. So, you know, when we think about work optional, it's different from the traditional retirement where you're like, okay, I'm working till 65, I'm collecting my social security. And then, you know, that's where I'm, I'm really going to start to uh, enjoy you know, my freedom. It's giving you the freedom to, to quit your job uh, and either like completely stop working uh, for a period of time while you figure out what you want to do, what kind of pivot you want to make. Or maybe you take, uh, you know, like a lower paying job with more flexibility or enjoyment in the meantime, or, you know, you're launching uh, a side hustle. In addition to that, I think it's really like the optionality to work where you want, when you want, and and how you want. You know, I think about, uh, I've always been the type of person that's like, I can get plenty done on like the weekends or something. So maybe if I have something that comes up on Monday, you know, I don't want to work on Monday. I'm going to work all day Sunday instead. Uh, and like, that's the type of optionality that I've, you know, always wanted. So it's not just, you know, whether or not you're working in the job, uh, full time or not, but you know, I think that everyone's going to have their own definition of it. So interested to hear your opinion on it. Yeah. I love some of the things you said, especially when it comes to creating a work schedule that works for you. I know we're going to get into our own stories, but that was something that was really important to me when I did finally branch off, started my own business. It was because at one point I was forced to kind of conform to that traditional nine to five lifestyle. And I consider myself a hard worker, but those weren't always the hours where I wanted to work the hardest. Sometimes it was at night. Sometimes it was on a Saturday. You know, we the ability to create our own working hours and to follow the times where maybe we have the most energy or feel the most creative, I think is really important. And so to be able to break free from that was a big motivation for me personally. But as far as being work optional, so, you know, Matt and I work with clients all the time and a big motivation behind the show was because we were hearing some of the same things from our clients when we asked them about retirement, you know, they, they kind of had a glazed look over their face because it wasn't something that was interesting to them at all. And personally, it's, it's not something that I look forward to or think about. And with that, with retirement, I mean, the traditional form of retirement where we work a career for 40 plus years, we get to that age 65, we have a big retirement party, and then we go and like golf, if that's what you're into. It's not what I would do. <laughs> so I can't even think of what I would do in traditional retirement. But instead, to me, being work optional more than anything is about a mindset shift. It's at this point where you realize you no longer have to exchange your time for money. 
And even if you never want to stop working, that is still a really powerful mindset shift because all of a sudden you go from, I have to work, I have to make money, this is what I need to survive, to I get to work. And maybe my motivation isn't even money anymore. Maybe it's working from uh, a, a mindset of creating the most impact that we possibly can. And I think it unlocks this mindset shift where you are your most vulnerable, you're willing to be the most creative, you're willing to take risks you were afraid to take before. When we have to work to earn a paycheck, you know, we really, one, we are working for our survival, probably working to provide provide for our families. We are working in a way that has to uphold our reputation. You know, we're just a little bit more risk adverse during those years. But as soon as you turn over to work optional, it unlocks a lot of possibilities for what you could do next with your life. So when I talk to people, it's not that they want to stop working. It's that they want to shift the type of the work they do, or they want to shift the motivation behind it. So that's a little bit of what I saw and why I was so excited to create this show. I'm curious for you, Matt, um, a little bit more about the motivation behind the show for you. Yeah, there's a couple of things that you said in there that that really resonate. Uh, but at my last job, like I was super happy um, with the work I was doing. But I wasn't happy that I had to be on everyone else's schedule all the time and that I didn't have any flexibility to kind of work from where I wanted to. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of funny because you're you'll hear, you know, older, older people say like, you know, that's just the way it is. You have to deal mm -hmm. with it. And like I for me, I was just like, I don't want to deal with it. That's not like I'm it's just <laughs> not me and I'm not going to. And I'm like, there has to be a different way. Uh, so a lot of it really feeds back into like the time aspect of it. So like the book behind me, The Psychology of Money, like my favorite book of all time. It's like reading that book was one of the catalysts for me wanting to start my own business. There's a, a line in there that I believe it's, you know, freedom or or happiness is being able to do what you want, when you want, with whoever you want. And that, you know, I read that and I'm like, I don't have that. And mm -hmm. that to me is really what I think would make me very happy. And, you know, I took that leap to say like, all right, I'm going to leave behind like this salary, this, uh, you know, stability to, to go out and do my own thing. And, you know, as challenging as that can be in certain aspects, you know, like the reward of it uh, is just unquantifiable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I love that. I'm really excited to get more into your background too, yeah. um, which we will in a little bit, but I'm curious, let's walk through some different methods uh, for actually becoming work optional. So one of the issues I have with social media is everybody's kind of pushing their own agenda. Mm -hmm. So you have somebody who's really into real estate. They say like, this is the way that you need to become financially free. You have an entrepreneur and they're really pushing their agenda. You know, why would you ever want to work a nine to five? It's miserable and soul crushing and you need to leave and start your own business. But the reality is, and what I have seen, and I'm sure Matt, it's what you've seen too. There are a lot of different ways to reach work optional and employment, being an employee for a large portion of your career, it's actually could be a really effective way to become work optional. So there's different methods you can use. None of them are the right way. The right way is whatever method's going to work the best for you. And I'm curious your thoughts, Matt, on 
maybe the different methods that you have seen people use to become work optional. And then later too, we'll talk about what we're doing ourselves yeah. to become work optional. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, like really good point as far as like what you see on social media and whereas, you know, sometimes it can be hard in our profession to stand out on social media because we really don't take such a polarizing view. Uh, because mm -hmm. like in, in reality, you know, it, it all depends, it all depends what's going to work for the individual person. You know, if you are not interested in real estate, like you don't want to be a landlord, uh, then real estate's probably not going to be the avenue that you want to take to, to get to work optionality or financial freedom. Um, and you know, you hit on like the traditional employment, you know, when I said that, uh, you know, I wanted to have like control of my time and, and things like that, like for some people, that's not as big of a uh, priority. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're happy with the stability. And, you know, when it comes to that, you know, you think about like, uh, when people say, you know, you have to start a job or start, start a business, you know, think about like, uh, Tim Cook or like anyone yeah. else who's like a CEO, uh, that they're doing know, just fine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that they have all the optionality that they want. Um, yeah. so, you know, in my like typical client, my client niche, you know, working with uh, those that have equity comp, you know, where we use equity comp as a very like kind of like something to accelerate the timeline for work optionality is, you know, you you get these stock options or restricted stock units, uh, you either exercise them or they vest and like these can be massive windfalls, uh, mm -hmm. whether you're at, you know, a very big publicly traded company or a company that, you know, IPOs, uh, or any of the above, you know, that can, you know, end up making you a millionaire overnight. And mm -hmm. that that's the type of thing that gives you the optionality to really uh, then say, all right, you know, I had this exit. Now I want to pursue, you know, whatever avenue it might be. Um, and then I think, you know, say you don't have uh, equity comp where you're not going to have those big windfalls, then, you know, you really need to focus on your savings rate. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we are always, you know, kind of like the rule of thumb is 20% of your, of your after-tax income or so to, to make sure you can kind of like get to where you want in a reasonable amount of time. Well, if you really want to build work optionality, um, early, earlier on in your life, you're going to have to pump that savings rate up because you're going to, you know, run into this scenario where, uh, maybe you're 35 and you're burnt out or something. And like, in the in those scenarios, you need to be saving, you know, maybe it's 40 or 50% of your income um, in your 20s. And as drastic as that might sound, you know, it really comes down to figuring out whether that's important to you, what the priorities are, and then and then going from there. Um, yeah. I know that you are, you know, working much more with the business owner side of things. So definitely want to hear kind of what you have seen and how you've helped uh, clients using that avenue. Yeah. And I want to say too, with traditional employment, it's, you don't have to do it your entire career. You know, that certainly is possible, which we've mentioned, but it could also just serve as a foundation to jump off to the next thing that you really want to do, like maybe starting a business or investing in real estate, leveraging your traditional, you know, your W-2 income to start opening up these other opportunities is actually one of my favorite strategies to use. So when it comes to business owners, you know, some people are really risk on and they don't need that foundation, that safety net, that 
savings or cash built up before they jump right into it. I've, I've worked with a few people who known their whole lives they wanted to be entrepreneurs, maybe even avoided, you know, higher education, college, university to just jump into the entrepreneurial world. Some of us were a little bit more conservative and legged into it. Um, but I've seen as far as business owners, you know, it, it, often the motivation to creating a business is that they are wanting to create a life that serves them and that they have control over. Now, granted, for a lot of business owners, that's not really an option for the first few years. The first few years, you actually may have less time than you did previously at employment. I know that is the case for me, um, but it's still, there is still the, you know, the opportunity to where you can have more control of your schedule right away, work the way that you want to work. And then also you can see the work that you're putting in having a direct impact on your revenue. So one of the frustrations I had as an employee was I could work really, really hard or not at all. And my revenue, my salary was not really changing. So for a lot of these business owners, they had the, the motivation of, I want the work that I put in to reflect the output, the income that I receive. And so that's what I see a lot of the mindset around for business owners. And then you have, you know, a, a large spectrum. I have some business owners I work with who they just want to work every day. They love their business and they see no end in sight. And then I have some other business owners who did build up this business because they had a skill set that they could see was really in demand um, and they can make more money with outside of traditional employment. So they use that skill set to build a business, but to build it around their dream life. So right out of the gate, maybe they were being very strict about the hours that they worked, the number of meetings they would have every single day. I know a lot of people who do that and they do it right away. So there is an avenue to where you can set up that kind of work optional or, or dream life right away, even when you're just starting off in a business. Um, so a lot of these business owners, they're not working to a point of in 10 years, I can create my schedule, but I want to create my schedule today. I want to set the boundaries. I want to show up to, you know, my children's games and I want to do that today. And so that was a large motivation for many of these, these business owners, but there are different, well, we could talk about starting a side hustle as well. Cause I think that's kind of part of this. Um, for many people, like I said, I love the using and leveraging your W-2 income. And if you are more conservative, you don't want to jump straight into entrepreneurship until you have some avenues of income coming in. Starting a side hustle could be a really good way to do this. I'm seeing way more people do it in our generation now. And yes, there is this like hustle culture that we have to be careful of because at the end of the day, we have to remember what we are, why we are creating the stream life, why we're bringing in the money um, and not get caught up in, in killing ourselves working to try to start this side hustle and, and take it off the ground. But this is something I'm seeing more and more as kind of a less risky way to jump into entrepreneurship while having that stability of an income to carry you through. Have you seen that too, Matt? Yes. I mean, just thinking of like personally, you know, I remember yeah. exactly what you said where I was like, all right, I'm working really hard and I feel like I'm uh, like outperforming my peers, but like my income is not like my raises are not reflecting that. And mm -hmm. I would sit there and I'm like, there's gotta be a better way than like, 
what I'm doing. And, you know, I think about side hustles and things like that. And, you know, then I think like, oh, well, what if I did uh DoorDash or something? Like at the uh-huh. time, I was just like any kind of extra income. But then I'm like, I don't have the time for that. And like, that's not how I want to spend my time. So mm-hmm. I do think it's so interesting. I love seeing the people who are like leveraging social media and the internet to build their side hustles. Because in my opinion, you know, the biggest barrier to your side hustle really is do you have the time and do you really want to use the free time that you have to build it Uh, versus, you know, if you come up with the systems and a a good process to use uh, for social media or or other uh, ways on the internet, that can really, you know, like you said, accelerate. There's so many people that have started their side hustles and then it ends up being, you know, more profitable than their, their W2 income. Mm -hmm. Um, So I personally haven't worked with anyone yet that has taken that approach. Um, but I think, again, to backtrack a little bit, like what you said on the the idea of like using your traditional employment when you start, you know, that's what both of us did. You know, mm-hmm. we just we just started off with traditional W-2 income, and then we saved our way to a point where we were comfortable taking the leap to to kind of try and create that life that we want. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and get into a little bit more of our backgrounds? Yeah. I think it's, we can come back to some of these topics, but I think it's a good transition. Yeah. So Matt, I'm actually really excited to hear more. I know like the basics, but I really want to know, you've alluded to a few of these things, wanting, you know, more control over the way that you worked, the times that you worked. So I guess we could start all the way back though, of where you went to school, how you got into this career and just kind of walk us through how you got to this point today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to try to keep it brief, you know, what, what, but take still us hitting, back to childhood. No. Yeah. <laughs> still hitting the, uh, the fun, the fun parts of it, but yeah. funny enough. So like in high school, I took an economics class and loved like the time value of money. But then I looked at uh, jobs for like in financial advising and like, you know, at the time I was what, 17 or something, I'm Googling like financial advising and all that's coming up is like insurance uh, jobs. Yeah. And like, that's not what I want to do. So I'm like, I'm not going to pursue this. Uh, I really, I've always loved uh, math and science. So I uh, loved like my chemistry class and I ended up getting, and I love being outside. So I you know, out of nowhere, I just decided to uh, major in petroleum geology. And (laughs) so uh, I'm at Ohio State. uh, I'm in my geology class. We go down to a lab the one day. We're looking at these rocks under a microscope and like people are going nuts. They're like, oh my gosh, like, do you see these like crystallizations or these (laughs) fractures? And I'm like, it's a rock. Like I, like, what is like, what is this doing? And like, this, this makes no difference. Uh, and that was the day I remember, like I walked out and I called my dad and I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. So yeah. then I ended up uh, stumbling across the curriculum for, it was the consumer and family financial services major at Ohio State. Uh, just like looked over it, you know, ta- for whatever reason, like tax planning stuck out to me. I'm like, oh, that seems like it would be something like cool to know. Um, got into it and like loved it from the very, the, from the very beginning. Um after after college, you know, worked at uh, two RIAs in Columbus. Um, really, like, and this is one of the biggest things that I tell people that are getting started uh, in the industry is like, 
you know, and plenty of it, again, it's all personalized to, to what you want to do. But, you know, for me, I was like, I'm 22 when I graduate college. Like, why would mm-hmm. anyone trust me to, to manage their money right now? Uh, so <laughs> for me, it was like, okay, I want to learn everything I possibly can. Like, I don't want to be responsible for, for building my book, uh, you know, straight out of college. I want to like get under someone, uh, or like mm-hmm. on a team and really like learn all the, the different, like the, the basics, but also things that are going to really show people that like, all right, I know what I'm talking about. Um, so I worked at two RAs there and then, you know, kind of again, was in that scenario where I'm like, you know, I am, uh, I know that I'm ahead of like the curve here, but you know, there's the the office politics or whatever it might be where I'm like, all right, you know, you're stuck in this kind of like corporate ladder and that, you know, just never sat well with me. But at the same time, I think at the time I was 26. So I'm like, uh, what's, what's, what's the next step here? So then I, I start, start looking around come across a uh, job posting to, to basically build up the financial planning department at this RIA. And I'm like, yeah, I'll give this a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was down in Miami, Florida. Uh, they reach out interested. I go down there, uh, interview in person, everything goes, goes great. I find out that it's like a $3 billion RIA and working with clients that are pretty much like 20 million and above or so mm-hmm. uh, investable assets, a lot of like a lot of business owners, a lot of executives, uh, a lot of like hedge fund managers. Um, so got to learn uh, like awesome planning strategies, super in-depth uh, like estate planning and tax planning and worked with like the clients were awesome, learned a ton from the investment side of things. So started that like when I was 26 and like, people ask me all the time, they're like, how did you like get, get that? And I'm like, honestly, just kind of like putting yourself out there um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to take advantage of the opportunities that come up. Um, And then kind of what I alluded to earlier, you know, loved the work. um, But the thing was my fiance and I like really didn't like living in Miami. uh, And we, you know, I wanted to have more of that like time flexibility and Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, be able to, to, you know, what you said earlier, like if I woke up on like a, a Monday or something, I'm just like, it's not that I'm sick, but maybe I'm just like not feeling it that day, you know, whatever it is, maybe I need a little bit more time to like get myself going. Uh, I just, that just for me was always so, uh, so important. And eventually, you know, what ended up adding up was just like not being happy and, in Miami and then also wanting to have control over my time and also what you alluded to earlier, having control over like, okay, if I'm putting this amount of work in uh, and I create this result, I want to have the upside from that. Like I want that to be reflected in my, yeah. my compensation. You know, ultimately that's what's kind of all blended together to lead me to, uh, to start my own RAA, uh, Unrivaled Wealth Management. And uh, like I said, you know, there's plenty of, of things that uh, that are challenges and things that are, you know, a lot less time uh, on my hands now than I did when I was a traditional employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the difference is I get to choose when that time is. And that to me is is something that I really can't, can't replace. Yeah, I love that too. I mean, the same with me as, as far as choosing when you work, 
you don't, when you're a traditional employee, unless you have like a great manager or team or something that really lets you have a lot of control, it's not up to you at all. You have to work their hours, their schedule, their work environment. So it can be really, you know, unmotivating to, to realize that you don't have control of your daily life. I know personally for me, it became almost like depressing <laughs> to yeah. show up every day and be like, well, I'm just kind of, I got to do like what others expected me and work on under their terms, which, you know, isn't the worst thing in the world. There's obviously things that are worse than that. But I think when you see a lot of business owners and people who take this leap, like we um, have this really deep desire to create a life where we know we have more potential. And for some people, I think they never tap into their full potential. And so they kind of stay there, or maybe they just don't care. That's certainly the case. But I do find there's an awareness around business owners over the skills that they have and what they could be doing with it. If they were really able to have control over their entire schedule and their entire life, really. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, you, you put it perfectly. It's just like, you, you have this choice of saying like, I know that I'm capable of more. And it's like, am I going to, to take this, this chance or this opportunity to, to see like, or really put my money where my mouth is? Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, are you going to look back years from now and be like, man, I, I wish I would have done that then. Uh, but it's too late now. Um, yeah. So, but I'm not going to let you get away without going back over your background. So, <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's go. Let's, here where 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 you started and uh you know how you got to where you are now yes yeah I'll try to just highlight <laughs> some of the interesting points um so I went to Indiana University from Indiana from South Bend Indiana and something I should probably say before even that is my dad is a financial planner so he and I are in the same industry we are both CFPs and he's been doing this my entire life. So I do, I did have the upbringing around financial planning, although I had no idea what he was doing. Like half the time I thought he was a lawyer when I was really young. I had no, I saw him wear a suit and going to work every day. And like, that was it. So <laughs> I didn't know much of, of, of anything about the industry. I went to IU, Indiana University, not having any idea what I wanted to do. I was looking at like international studies. I think that was my first major. I, all I knew was like, I wanted to travel and see different cultures and that I don't really think is a job. So <laughs> I had to kind of think through different things and I am really competitive. I was raised to be really competitive. My dad's a very competitive person. And so I saw everyone was trying to get into the business school at IU. So you can either get be a direct uh, ad, admin, direct admittance to Kelly, or you go through some of the classes and then like apply to go to Kelly. Um, so everyone around me seemed to be applying to get into this business school. And I told myself my whole life that I was not going to go into finance. Like I was going to do anything but finance. Um but I saw everyone trying to get in. I sat down with like my counselor and I said, I'll just take a few of these classes, some of these business classes and see how it goes. And it was an accounting 101 class. There was a business presentations class, like an Excel class, a few different things like that. And they called them weed out classes. They're both supposed to be difficult. So not everyone would then go on to Kelly. Um, and I found after taking those classes, I was like, man, not only 
am I good at this? But I really like it too. And I was helping other people. I was helping people who were already in the business school <laughs> through some of these classes. So it's like, this is probably what I should be doing. Um, so dove, dove into that and graduated with my degree in finance. And very similar to your story, Matt, I thought it would be insane for me to try to be a financial advisor right away. The same reason I'm way too young. Who's going to hand me their money? So I wanted to go and just learn from the best team I could possibly find. So there's this team out in Chicago. I moved to Chicago and they managed a billion in client assets. So for those of you who don't know, an RA is a registered investment advisory firm. But to put it super simply, we're just a team who manages wealthy people's money. <laughs> and there's different ways we do that, but there's there's tax planning, there's investments, of course. So the team I was on, we handled large liquidity events. So a tech entrepreneur um, all of a sudden sells his business and needs to figure out what to do with the money. Or there's a real estate empire and the family wants to start unloading some of the real estate. Or it's just an inheritance. But any point of time where you just all of a sudden come into a large sum of money. So there are so many planning strategies around that. So I consider myself very lucky to have seen that. But the, to the point that we keep making here, I was doing a lot of the operations and some of the financial planning for the team. And when I would, my work was done really well, like the best case scenario was that I wasn't noticed because it just meant things were running smoothly around me. The only time I was noticed is when, you know, I would maybe make a mistake or, or hold something up. You know, it was like only if there was something negative about it. And then I had really not much control over my salary. I could, you know, negotiate like bonuses and things like that, but it wasn't a, well, if I deliver this financial planning strategy, now my income increases. Um, so that always bothered me. And I wanted to have that control over my income. I wanted to be, if I can work, if I work harder, um, then my revenue increases. So around the pandemic, I actually left and I actually joined the IRA that my dad had in Indiana. Um, not much thought process, just kind of went with who he had. And um, he and I teamed up for like a year and a half on some clients. So we worked together. I just adopted his client base of retirees, pre-retirees. Um, but I always had the desire to one, kind of go back to like what I was doing before working with um, individuals who maybe had these large liquidity events, but also a lot of business owners I really like to work with. And then also I really wanted to work with people in my generation, selfishly, the point, the the topics with money I was most interested in were the things that I was going through. And so I wanted to be able to chase and follow those interests. So it was around that time where I actually started posting on Twitter and um, just started talking about some of these concepts that I was going through as a new business owner and some of the things that I'd, I'd really like to help other people with. And it was not long after, after that. Um, where I fully launched Camp Wealth. And now I have a full virtual practice where I help high earners and business owners as they build and preserve wealth. Um, but all of that, you know, is, is a slow unveiling of like where I wanted to go. I didn't graduate college and know 
exactly where I was going to end up. I had no idea if I was going to climb the corporate ladder. All I knew was as I was working and, and going through these different changes in my career, I wanted to do more of this. I wanted to maybe be, you know, more client facing. And then after that, I wanted to help business owners. So I just kept chasing my interests and it got to the point too, where I realized if I want to build a practice and that I really want to build and I want to help people the way I really do want to help people, I'm going to have to you know, step out and build it completely, completely myself. Cause I'm a very opinionated person <laughs> and I have an idea of how I think things should go and the way that people should be helped. And, um, that was a big motivation for me too, to finally launch my own practice. Yeah. I think that, that that's always going to be one of those underlying, uh, I feel like motives or themes that you hear from people who start their bit, their own business is, you know, you, you kind of, see the work that you're putting in and then you're seeing the result uh and it's not really lining up for you uh and that's one of the biggest you know i i mentioned a few of the catalysts but one of the biggest ones for me was you know and how i actually got into equity comp was like i worked with uh this executive of a publicly traded company at, at my previous job and he had kind of just ignored like his his equity comp over the years and then uh, it had accumulated to the point where like he had probably like $30 million worth of equity, like uh, stock in his, his own company. And it probably made up like 90% of his net worth. Uh, and the stock was really volatile. And since he was a uh, company insider, he had to have what's called a 10 B five, one trading plan. And like, no one had known how to really like put that in place for him for, you know, for as long as he had been working uh, with the firm. So then I got in there, like really dove into it, made this like huge spreadsheet to to calculate things out and like figure out the cash flow and the tax consequences. And then also figure out like how much upside are we going to keep uh, versus how much are we going to monetize? And, you know, ultimately, you know, as a result of the plan, but also the stock price kind of uh, rising up around the same time that we put the plan in place, like he sold about $10 million worth of stock. And, you know, after taxes, probably brings, you know, maybe like five and a half, six million over to the portfolio uh, at at our company. But like, I didn't get any extra reward yeah. for that. And yeah. I'm like, so you're telling me that no one else was able to do this for all these years. And like, this is essentially all as a result of, of what I, I put in place. But then there's no, there's not going to be any kind of uh, like, cared at the end of the stick I was like there's you know that's just for me is not going to work and and that's where I decided I'm like okay I know that I'm good at this equity comp stuff uh I know that I can help people um especially you know given what concentration risk can do with equity comp I was like I know I can help people with this I know mm -hmm. I can make money and this is what I want to really pursue yeah and I've had the privilege of seeing some of your spreadsheets and they are <laughs> insane i mean that in a good way super <laughs> valuable so i cannot wait until we dive into some of those topics too yeah it, it is going to be fun uh kind of getting into some of the, the more granular stuff especially since we're going to be targeting more of you know our target client uh mm -hmm. you know looking for executives hiring executives entrepreneurs um but i think you know the first few episodes we're going to keep it pretty broad to really help people get like the foundation uh especially when it comes to figuring out, you know, what your work op optional goals are and how to, you know, really align your your income and your assets with with making that a reality. So you want to just kind of give us an overview of what uh, 
what we're expecting over the first few episodes? Yeah, so we already have some topics that are set. First thing we're going to cover is how to actually set work optional goals, which I'm really excited about because I think people don't realize all of the different variables that go into this and the things that you have to consider. And also a lot of people have this you know, elusive idea of, I want to be work optional, but very rarely actually sit down to, to write out the goal, to write out what they need. And for many people, I think it's just an education gap. They don't know how to do that. They don't know what that number should be or how they should find it. So, you know, we're not, we can't get super detailed because we don't know you, we don't know your situation, but we can give you some ideas of how to begin to start to think about those work optional goals and create a plan for them. And I'm actually really excited because this podcast should be coming out beginning of 2024. So it's a really good time to start thinking about those things and creating a plan for 2024. Um, One of the other episodes we're going to cover is about account types. So we wanted to cover this because it is one of the bigger mistakes we see when somebody tells us they want to be work optional. Um, They may say that, but their finances don't actually reflect that goal. There are different account types that can be used for different reasons, but you do need to have some flexibility within your financial plan in order to actually someday be work optional and and be able to take money out. So we see this as a a common mistake. So we we do want to cover that right away. Um, That'll probably be the second episode we talk about. And then finally, third episode that we have planned for you guys is cash flow and budgeting. This is right after we create the plan and we figured out the different account types, we really have to nail down cash flow because what I hear all the time is I have no idea where my money goes. Mm -hmm. So if we don't know where it's going, we don't know how to redirect it to different areas. And Matt, you mentioned how important the savings rate is early on. And I ask people all the time, you know, what's your savings rate? What's, where's your money going? Nobody knows. So in order to create these goals, you first have to create an awareness around how everything is already set up. So we can't start to create goals if we don't know what we're doing today, or we have the risk of maybe creating overly ambitious goals when we don't realize where money is being directed to today. We don't know what our fixed expenses are. Um, Those things are really, really important to start creating your own financial plan. Anything you want to add to that, Matt, for our first three episodes? Yeah, that that last point you made too about like making these ambitious goals and then you know, not really having a plan for it, like that's the easiest way to like demoralize yourself and, and make it, make it seem like everything is completely unreachable. You know, like Mm -hmm. you really need, you can't set these big ambitious goals and then not have a plan for achieving them. And then once you actually drill down and, you know, look at like what your cash flow is, like what your savings ability is and be like, all right, well, there's no way I can do this. You know, you need to, as much as, you know, you need to be ambitious, you also need to be realistic and that starts with really understanding you know what your capabilities are you know where you're able to cut out expenses uh and you know increase that savings rate and whether that is you know what's important to you uh because if it isn't then you know continue to to carry on uh but i've never seen it work out uh poorly when someone really sits down and takes the time to to drill into what they want uh, and creating a game plan to do it. I agree. Absolutely. Anything we missed? 
I'm sure we'll figure that out uh, after, as soon as we stop recording. But I think for today, you know, that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. Uh, just want to thank everyone who who tuned in for the trailer. Uh, we're excited to bring you tips, tricks, uh, kind of let you in on more of who we are uh, and what we're doing and help you create a you know, work optional life. Um, if you enjoy the show, especially once we start posting uh, our actual episodes, you know, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing, subscribing on whatever platform you're on. Um, you can find me on pretty much every social media platform uh, at Matthew underscore Garrisick. Um, and, you know, or just Google my name and I'm sure you'll you'll be able to find me. And Rachel, where can they find you? Yeah, it's Camp Wealth. If you Google that. Twitter is Camp underscore Wealth. Instagram, where I show up occasionally, is, is Camp Wealth. Um, but yeah, if you just Google Rachel Camp, I'll, I'll show, hopefully, pop up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Until the the next time, uh, which we'll be bringing you how to to build your work optional goals. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks.